man. I'm doing this podcast solo this week. Um, we're going to be talking about where I'm going to be talking about my axis hunt that I just went on right. I'm, I, and I mean, I'm talking right before dark. One of the axis bucks that uh, Charlie wanted, wanted me to shoot uh, uh, stepped out on the side of the pond and he, he was moving. I'd, I'd say he's maybe quartered away a little bit, but he's standing pretty broadside. So um, I go through my shot process and everything, pull the trigger, shot goes off. And I mean, you hear that whack, you know, that bullet hit him and everything. And Charlie's watching him through the binoculars and he's saying, good hit, good hit. Uh, everything feels great. He gets hit. I mean, and he acts hurt from the start. I mean, he kind of plows him to the ground and then runs off in the brush, man. And I'm thinking like, wow, that that happened pretty pretty freaking quick. Um, but little did I know that's kind of just where my hunt started, to be honest with you. Tejas. Tejas Podcast is the podcast for you and you and you and you. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 14 of the Tejas Hunt Club podcast. I'm Brandon McDowell, your host today, and also your guest today. Yep, that's right, man. I'm doing this podcast solo this week. Um, we're going to be talking about, or I'm going to be talking about my axis hunt that I just went on with Charlie Maynard down in Laredo, Texas. Um, but before we get into that, got a couple things I want to go over with you. Uh, we really appreciate everybody, you know, listening to the podcast and watching it on YouTube. It's been a big hit. Uh, we had a lot of people that liked that last podcast uh, with Josh Boschke and Trey Moya. That's, like I said, in the podcast, was going to be the most viewed one. And right now, the numbers are not lying. So um, thanks for listening to that podcast. I appreciate them uh, sharing it and also boards and broads and them sharing it on their social media and stuff too. Um, just getting the podcast out there. So just want to say thanks to those guys. And, you know, hopefully, like I said, we're going to get them on some more podcasts too. Boards and broads. If you want to hop on the podcast, if you're listening, we can set it up. Tell us about hog hunting in Georgia uh, and, and down in the deep South. <laughs> uh but yeah thanks for watching that video um also we got the tack video that came out on you on the youtube channel had quite a few people watch that one too um want to say thank you for that if you haven't go check it out if you have share it with a friend i mean tack is a is an annual event so we're gonna be planning on going every year i mean it's a lot of fun you get to you know test yourself uh see what you need to work on for the rest of the year before hunting season starts and uh you know what you what you've accomplished since last year um, so if you haven't checked that video out, please do share it with a friend. Um, also Turkey season wrap up with Jared. We had that podcast that came out also, um, a little impromptu hunt for him while he was back home visiting family and everything, but turned out pretty good. He wound up killing a bird. So, uh, if you want to hear that story and, uh, hear us talk about kind of like what we, uh, what we kind of gathered from this turkey season, what we want to work on for next year, um, and kind of like what, what we plan on doing uh, turkey hunting-wise in the future. So uh, check that podcast out. Uh, appreciate it if you already have. But with that, man, let's hop into the podcast and let me tell you about my axis hunt. Um, so it all started on Instagram, <laughs> which most of, my, uh, most of my hunting stories do start on Instagram, talking to different people and you know, um, honestly, right now I've been I've been seeing a lot of people post about, uh, you know, things that have ruined the world, I guess you would say. And social media has kind of came up as one of those things. And I mean, my opinion is uh, there there's bad and good in everything. Um, and it's kind of up to each person of what they what they do with different tools. 
I mean, for me, social media has been a tool to help me with my business. It's been a tool to meet new friends. It's been a tool to, you know, go out and see new experiences and get to do new things. So um, I, my opinion is that social media hasn't ruined the world. It's more uh, shown what, what the world was uh, already doing and kind of uh, blown that up and let everybody else see what's going on too. So uh, off my soapbox about that. Uh, but anyway, uh, a couple facts about Axis Deer that I, I, I found looking them up, man. Um, when I was going to do this podcast, I kind of wanted to make sure uh, maybe if I didn't know something about Axis or I'll kind of talk about some different things that Axis and where they come from and things like that. So they're actually native to Sri Lanka and India. Um, so that they were brought over. Actually, the first time they were brought over were um, to Hawaii. They were actually a gift from Hong Kong to uh, the king of Hawaii. So um, that's why you see a lot of people hunting Axis deer over there on Maui and different things. So they have their own um, uh, herd or guess, you know, um, of Axis that they have kind of on every little different island. I'm not sure if it's on all of them, but it's on, on quite a few, at least uh, Maui and Lanai for sure. Um, but they were actually brought to Texas in 1932. I do believe kind of the wild ranch had something to do with that. Um, uh, and then also, you know, some of the universities and things that they were looking at and probably some hunters too. Cause I mean, there's guys that went over to India in the thirties and stuff to hunt tigers. And they probably saw these axis deer and, you know, wanted some on their ranch back in Texas, um, which that, that kind of been a cool period of time to go hunting over in India and hunt tigers and stuff. I mean, I'm sure it got a little, uh, hairy and scary at times, but, uh, it, uh, it, it, it seemed like a lot of fun. I mean, I'd have tried it for sure. Um, but, uh, they're pretty big animals. Actually, if you compare them to kind of whitetails, the does usually range from like 110 to 135 pounds. And then, um, axis bucks can get from anywhere from 200 to 250 pounds. So, I mean, they're, they're big animals, especially, like I said, bigger than whitetail. Um, they're actually closer, um, within their habits and things, they're closer to elk. So they're really, really big, like herd animals. So they like being in big groups. Um, I guess for security wise, I guess they were hunted by Bengal tigers. So somebody's got to stay on watch. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're rust colored white spots. Um, they have, uh, males have only ones that have antlers, um, but they lose them every year and then they grow them back again. So you'll have some that you'll see that are uh, still in velvet. Then you'll have some at, that are hard horn too. Um, they're kind of, their gestation period is kind of weird. I know like peak rutting time is going on like right now, um, late May, early June. Um, but throughout the year, you'll have different bucks that are either in velvet or hard horn and vice versa. So um, I'm not real sure on why that happens, but I do need to look that up and kind of nail that down. Um, from what I saw, they actually have sustainable herds in 92 counties in the state of Texas. Most of them are going to be in the hill country. Um, a few of them are in South Texas. Um, if you've been in Bernie or Kerrville, I'm sure you've seen Axis deer walking around. Um, that's kind of where their main, I guess, hub is or where the, the biggest populations are. Um, but their their range when they were in their in their home territory, go all the way from like the Himalayan mountains down to the, the forest of India. So they, they kind of have a wide range of like habitat and also um, weather conditions that they can live in. Um, Unlike what we saw in the freeze a couple years ago, that kind of got too cold for them, but they do live in some mountainous regions in um, their home territory. So now that you know a couple facts about Axis deer, and if you want to do your own research and find out some new stuff, some more stuff about them, um, I found all this information on Texas Parks and Wildlife website, 
and also Texas Tech Natural Resources, so the Agricultural College. Um, they actually did a study on axis deer, um, which that study is a little long, so I didn't read the whole thing, but I actually did save it um, to read a little later because I do want to find out more information about them. I mean, especially after getting to hunt them this time. They've they've crept up on the list of animals that I that I like to hunt. So um, getting into this story about this axis hunt, man, um, I've got, I've gotten a hunt axis a handful of other times. Um, Megan, um, hunted, uh, we got to hunt one with Megan on this low place, low fence place that we hunted on, um, out in West Texas. Um, I've gotten to film a couple of times with people that were hunting axis deer. So I, I'd been around them. I've seen them. I've seen some pretty big ones. Um, but I never hunted one for myself. And, um, this opportunity came up as most of my opportunities come up as being on Instagram and just talking to people. So, um, I went hunting with Charlie Maynard. Um, he's a guide and outfitter for uh, safari specialists, um, and McDonald's safari. So he's actually hunted over in Africa. He's, they hunt all and Axis in the hill country and out in West Texas. Um, they got elk trips too. So he he's been hunting for, uh, for a long time. And, um, I've been interacting, talking to him, DM stuff for a while and sharing their stuff. So, uh, this opportunity to go hunt with him was pretty cool. Um, we're going to have to get him on the podcast cause his, uh, his family's history of, of hunting is pretty cool. I got to hear a little bit about it while we were down there hunting. Um, so I drove down to Laredo from college stations, about a five hour trip. Uh, but I made it there in the afternoon, um, just in time to like, get my stuff unloaded and, uh, get clothes changed and everything. And we were going to try and do an afternoon hunt. Uh, the plan was kind of just to scout that afternoon. And then the next morning um, we were going to try to uh, make our way through kind of some of the areas where you'd seen them hanging out. And then also we were going to hunt water because they, they, they have to water every day. So um, that was one of the tactics we were going to use. Um, this was a high fence hunt. Um, I'm like I said before, another podcast, I'm not opposed to it. Um, some people maybe uh, to me, uh, like I said, to another podcast, depending on the size of, of, of the high fence, I mean, it's it, it's still hunting. Um, this wasn't a, a, a put and shoot. This wasn't a little 20 acre pasture. This is uh, 350 acres. Um, I mean, most people's whitetail properties are 350 acres. We were uh, just kind of hanging out and uh, at the house and then uh, got me a nice little welcome to uh, welcome to Laredo gift when I looked out the door. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's on our Instagram. I posted a video of it, but a pretty good size. And when I say pretty good size, this is about a four and a half foot, maybe five, close to five foot rattlesnake was uh, making its way onto the porch, I guess. Stop fucking because it's right Little did we know that night we had a pretty big storm coming in. So I guess he was trying to find high ground um, and to get away from the water that was coming. But uh, he had uh, he crawled up on the porch and sat there for a while. And right about the time that we were hoping that the axes were coming out. Um, so we were waiting for them to kind of see what we're moving around. There's a big pond out far in front of the house. And uh, we're just going to watch and see, you know, kind of what moves and then kind of make, like I said, make that plan for the next morning. Um, but we had to deal with that rattlesnake and unfortunately we had to um dispose of him in a in a in a non-quiet fashion <laughs> so uh it might have put a little hindrance on on the axis moving but we we got him moved away I mean, run up on rattlesnakes in the brush we we tend to leave them alone but when they're around the house and stuff like that mm, they they got to go 
uh, we got dogs, us. I mean, uh, I, like I said, I, I, uh, I respect their, their home, but they're, they're, they're going to have to respect ours too a little bit. And I know you're trying to get away, but, uh, uh climb up in a tree. <laughs> if you're in the, in the Facebook group, you saw that, that post I, I shared in there, there's a, a rattlesnake that actually probably the same storm that I'm talking about now. Uh, it climbed up in a tree. So duh, when you're, when you're out in the brush, don't just look down, look up too. make sure. <laughs> uh, but like I said, so we got, they got rid of that rattlesnake and, we had a few axes that came out. Um, now we were looking for some. Well, I mean, I was looking for them, but they they weren't on the on the on the shooter list. Uh, we had some pretty big axes bucks walk out and got to see those um, walk around with the does and everything and get water. It's pretty cool just sitting there watching the animals too. Um, I mean, being being able to watch big axes like that um, is not something I've done a lot. They're, most of the hunting and stuff's been pretty quick. Um, so I, I definitely took advantage of being able to get to watch them and see how they act around each other and everything. Um, so we kind of just, as the sun was going down, we were kind of like losing hope on, uh, the axis that I was trying to get. Um, there was two of them that we were chasing. We were kind of losing hope on if they were going to come out in the afternoon or not. So kind of just making our plan for, for the next morning. Um, but we just kept watching anyway. And, uh, right. I'm, I, and I mean, I'm talking right before dark one of the axis bucks that uh charlie wanted wanted me to shoot uh, uh stepped out on the side of the pond and he he was moving not not standing still he he was moving so we made a mad dash uh over to the ranger to kind of sneak up on him like i said it was right before dark so he made his way um around the pond and then onto the back side of it so it was a little bit farther shot than i wanted to take um at that point in time uh, being that I, I was shooting Charlie's gun. Um, I mean, he said he was dialed and everything, but as you know, I, I haven't been shooting rifles, um, that much lately. I've been shooting more bows and that kind of plays into this story a little bit too. Um, so we made a mad dash for the Ranger. We hopped on, made sure, you know, ammo, everything's there. And we kind of crept up on the Ranger, uh, down the road a little bit to kind of get a closer, a closer shot. So, um, uh, as he made his way around the pond, he was feeding out a little bit and, uh, we got to where I, you know, I was comfortable shooting. I brought up the rifle and I set it on the front of the Ranger, had a bag there and everything. Good rest. Everything was good. Um, I get down on the gun. Um, I find him, you know, Charlie's talking to me, you know, telling me which one was which, because there was, um, there was a couple does and another buck out there too. Um, but find him in the scope. Good. I mean, calm. I mean, I'm, I've shot rifles my whole life. I'm not just like jumping into this. Um, so I kind of know how to shoot a little bit. And I'd say he's maybe quartered away a little bit, but he's standing pretty broadside. So um, I go through my shot process and everything, pull the trigger, shot goes off. And I mean, you hear that whack, you know, that bullet hit him and everything. And Charlie's watching him through the binoculars and he's saying, good hit, good hit. Uh, everything feels great. Um, I was comfortable with my shot. I knew where it was. Everything was good. Um, he, he gets hit. I mean, and he acts hurt from the start. I mean, he kind of plows into the ground and then runs off in the brush, man. And I'm thinking like, wow, that, that happened pretty, pretty freaking quick. Like, you know, one and done, I'm gonna hang out, you know, with Charlie and, uh, film some axes and stuff for the next couple of days. Like we already got the hard stuff done. Um, but little did I know that's kind of just where my hunt started, to be honest with you. Um, we went down and checked. 
uh, where I hit him, you know, marked everything, uh, went down and looked. We didn't, we didn't find any blood. Um, so that's, that's never a, a good thing. Um, but me and Charlie are both sitting there. We, we didn't, I didn't film this hunt. Um, it was just kind of, you know, like I said, it was more just me wanting to go hunt Axis and kind of left the camera at home. I was going to take some good pictures, but I wasn't really worried about filming this one. Um, but like I said, sounded like a good hit. Um, he ran off, but we didn't, we didn't find any blood. Uh, so Charlie called over some of the other hunter, the other guys that he has there, guys that work for him. They kind of, kind of looked around, looked for blood. We really didn't find much. I think we found like one little speck, which, uh, is not what you want to see after you make a, make a shot on an animal. Um, I'm, I'm sure everybody knows you'd rather that animal just fall right there, um, where it was standing when you shoot it. Um, and I mean, I was shooting Charlie's 300 wind mag more than enough bullet for this animal in my opinion um great round to shoot uh, in my opinion as well um but it wasn't it wasn't looking too good so uh we made the call uh to back out and uh call the dogs and um track him down so um <laughs> as 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 most hunters know man uh in this situation it's not it's not the situation you want to be in i mean you're you're going back and forth with yourself of you know knowing what you saw knowing what you felt and being confident in your shot and everything to now is like you're second guessing yourself did i do that did i see what i saw did did i make the shot that i that i thought i made and then i mean it's now we're going back and forth between me and charlie we're talking about everything and he's telling me what he saw which is verifying what I'm thinking, but still in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I, I, I messed this up. Like I, I missed or I, I, I hit him bad or something like that. Like it's, it's just, your mind just starts going and it's not a very good place to be as a hunter. I, I mean, I, I haven't been in this situation luckily. <laughs> and I guess this was my, uh, slice of humble pie, I guess, but most animals I've shot, they usually, uh, either fall right there, or fall, not that far off. So, um, I know, like you said, um, the more time you spend in the woods, the more chance, more times you have for this to happen. But um, it's in the back of your mind always when you hunt, but it's not something that you just generally suspect is going to happen to you. So we call the dogs, which is uh, a great tool that we use here in Texas. I, I love them. I've gotten to see some pretty good dog work before. Um, I've been in camp with, you know, Robbie, Robbie Hurt. He's got some pretty good dogs. And you hear about Roy Hines and all those guys, too. I mean. Um, we wound up calling it Justin Dixon and I, I followed him on Facebook and Instagram for a while too. And he's got some pretty good dogs. So I was, I was confident in the fact that, you know, if this, this deer's dead, the dogs that are coming, the guys that's coming, um, with the dogs is, is more than qualified to find this deer. Um, it's not, you know, I, I, I got two dogs that like tracking deer, but I'm not going to tell you that they're blood tracking dogs and I ain't going to charge nobody to go find a deer for somebody either. Um, but this is a different, different deal. Um, this Justin Dixon, he does this, uh, for a living. Um, he's been doing it for a long time and he's got some great mentors and, you know, maybe hopefully I'll get him on the podcast, kind of talk about blood tracking and stuff like that. Cause I definitely want some tips. Um, but called him and, uh, he had a little bit of a drive to get to the ranch. So we went back to the house and, um, tried to eat some dinner, <laughs> even though eating was like the last thing on my mind. And usually it's the first thing on my mind. Uh, but being in that situation, man, it, it, it didn't really leave me with an appetite, I guess you'd say. So we kind of just hung out and watched a little basketball, waited for Justin to get there. And 
he showed up about 9.30, I think, 9.45. So once he got there, he unloaded the dogs, got them collared up and everything, and uh, we dropped them off uh, where I shot the axes. And uh, immediately they hit the brush, which which is a good thing, in my opinion. Um, like I said, we really didn't find any blood, so the fact that they found a trail was, was uh, a, a plus for me at that point. Um, I figured they... Well, in my mind, I, I figured they'd run in about 250 yards and stop in bay, and either he'd be still there kind of hanging on or he, he'd be already be dead, and we were going to go skin this axis and have a good night. But um, they trailed out about 720 yards um, from what Justin was saying was on, on, on the Garmin, and, and we heard him jump a deer. So we knew they were on something that they were trailing out that far. And like I said, there's a bunch of other axes. There's addicts. There's black buck. There's all kind of exotics in the, in this uh, in this high fence in this 350 acres, so um, these dogs are not just gonna jump any random deer. I mean, there has to be something injured about this animal for them to be trailing this this specific one. So in that instance, it made me feel a little bit better that you know I did make a hit on this animal. Maybe it just wasn't as fatal as is what we were hoping for. Um, but this animal is hit, so um, they trail him about a uh, about 720 yards. So he's, he's still alive. Um, they, so we take off after him through the brush. And like I said, it's about nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. Now, um, it's completely dark. We're going through headlamps and I mean, you're pushing cactus and pushing mesquite and stepping over trees and stuff. And like I said, this ain't no, um, <laughs> just mode, uh, pasture land. This, this is brush and you got to go through it and follow these dogs to where they're, they're taking us to this axis. And, uh, so he was, the axis was heading towards the creek, which runs through this property, which that was a, a, another great sign that he was like kind of headed towards water. Um, usually the animals, when they're hit fatal, stuff like that, they kind of head towards water, either a pond or a creek or something like that. Um, so that was a good sign. Uh, we, we tried to get there as fast as we could. Um, the dogs had him bayed. Um, we're making our way through the brush to that creek, and he breaks again. Uh, the dogs leave off behind him. And, uh, they go out about another 300 yards from there and we're trying to make it there and he breaks again. Well, at, at this point in time, I think the, he, he's moving pretty good. The dogs actually kind of got off that trail at that point And, um, he, he got away. Um, the dogs came back to us and at this point in time, we're on, on the way opposite side of, of the property from where I shot him at. And, uh, we start making our way back. Um, we, we followed that Creek again, just in case he doubled back and wound up dying in the Creek. We, we walked that again, a uh, pretty good stretch, making our way back to where, um, I first hit him at. So, um, the, the plan at that point was to, uh, head back to where I hit him again, uh, get the dog some water, let him rest for a little bit and put him back on, on, on that trail again and see if they can get him jumped. Um, like I said, I, I, we knew he was injured because the dogs were trailing him, so it, it wouldn't have been anything for them to, you know, find him again, hopefully. So we make it back to the pond where I shot him at, um, give the dogs some water and everything, and then uh, we put the dogs back on the track, and they leave on the same track that they did before. Good sign. Uh, they head out, and they strike him again. So I'm, I'm guessing he was making – he made a loop back to where he was earlier and kind of bedded down – but um, 
the dog strike him again and he starts making the same pretty much track that he did the first time. He went out 720 yards to the creek. The dogs bait him again. And uh, this time we're like, man, we're, we're just going to head through this brush, cut back um, to the pond, and hopefully, you know, we'll go behind the brush and where the pond is and he'll make that loop again and we'll be able to see him. Well, lo and behold, as we, uh, we, we go back to the buggies because um, we were going to go back to the creek, but we wind up staying there. And uh, we see the dogs are, are coming back towards us. So we're thinking that, you know, they lost them again. Um, you know, we're just going to hunt this deer for the next couple of days. Um, and, we're, and we're just going to call it good. But the dogs are moving pretty quick back towards us. Um, and we're looking up and I'm kind of looking, like I said, it's, it's pitch black dark now, right now. It's probably a little, little after 1130, um, closer to probably midnight. And I can see eyes coming, but I don't see two sets of eyes, which would have been the dogs. And the axis that I hit is actually hauling ass back to us, um, making that loop again. Um, he, he caught us off guard. We weren't really ready, um, thinking that he was coming back to us. We kind of thought the dogs had lost him again, but they were just trailing him back to where we were. So he actually ran probably within 50 yards of where we were standing. And at this time, you know, I, when I'm in this situation, I haven't been in this situation many times, but when I'm hunting an, an animal like this, I tend not to look at their horns. You know, um, I feel like most people, when they go to shoot an animal, whether that's with a rifle or a bow, and they go look at the horns and they get excited. So I, 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 I don't want that to happen to me. Once you tell me, or once I'm with somebody, that's the deer we're going to shoot. I'm, I'm looking at his body the rest of the time. I'm trying my hardest not to look at his horns. So when we, when we saw this deer, I trusted Charlie that, you know, this was the one, so I didn't want to freak out. So I didn't look at his head, but at this point in time, I can see him. And, uh, he's a, he's a pretty big, pretty big axis, man. And, um, he runs in the brush and the dogs lose him. And, you know, we're kind of like at that point, man, it's, it's hot, it's humid. We've been going for a couple hours. I mean, the dogs are tired. We're tired. I think when I looked at my, my watch or my, my phone, we had gone about three, almost three and a half miles walking through everything, trailing this deer in that time period. So at that point, I mean, we understood that he was still alive. I mean, from what we saw him moving, um, he was moving pretty good <laughs> enough to outrun those dogs, which, you know, comes back to like, it's it, this whole situation was pretty confusing as, you know, thinking, knowing that these dogs wouldn't get on a deer that's not injured, but the way he was moving and how fast he was moving did not look like he was hit or injured. Um, so it was, it was really, really weird. And like I said, a situation that I never really been in, um, and hadn't had any, any experience with. Uh, so, you know, big shout out to Justin again for his dogs. Uh, they, they did what they were supposed to do. They found the deer is just, it, it was still alive more than what, what we thought. And then we still couldn't figure out, you know, if he's hit, how bad is he hit kind of that whole deal. So we wind up, uh, uh, just loading the dogs up and Justin went on, uh, went home and we didn't get the deer. So, uh, this is night one and, uh, I didn't really sleep that much that night. I was excited and anxious about, you know, hunting again tomorrow and trying to find this deer. I mean, you know, last thing you want to do or last thing I want to do, just to speak for myself, last thing I want to do is, you know, shoot an animal and like have it suffering like that. That's, that's not, 
it's not how I want to hunt, you know, it's not how I want to do it. I want to make sure that, you know, if I'm going to shoot something, it's, it's going to die as quickly, as fast as possible. Um, just for my moral standard and also for, for meat wise, man, I mean, um, having an animal stress like that does do things to the meat and makes it sour. So, um, one of the biggest things about this hunt was the meat. So, um, there was kind of a lot, um, a lot I was thinking about during, during this time. So went to bed that night, um, for what I could and, uh, got up the next morning and, uh, we're going to go hunt. So we made our way around the ranch. I mean, multiple trips. I mean, we looked for buzzards. We looked for birds. We looked for everything to see if this deer, um, had passed or even, you know, if we could find this deer again, um, we, we sat there, we went to the pond again to see if he'd come out to get a drink. If he's injured, you know, that's the water is kind of what, what they need more than, more than food or what, what drives them is water more than food at that point in time. So we didn't see this deer. We saw multiple other deer, um, during this time, but it, it just wasn't the one we were looking for. So, that next day, I mean, passes, I mean, we, like I said, we've made multiple trips out, didn't find any birds, didn't find anything. Um, went to bed again that, that next night, not, not very happy with, with myself at that point. Um, just, you know, you know, you, you, uh, you think about all the things that you could have done different in that situation. Um, even prior to that situation, uh, shooting more, um, I could have got a better rest. I could have done this. I could have done that. But at that point in time, you know, it's not, it's not really anything you can do, but, you know, keep hunting and, and try to find them again. Uh, the second day, kind of the same lot, a lot of the same, like first, uh, we saw more axis that day. Um, but we didn't, uh, see the axis that we were looking for. Um, so, uh, once again, <laughs> went to bed and, and, and not, not in a very good mood. We woke up that next morning and it was the last morning I was going to be there. We were going to make an extra hunt and try to find this deer again. Once again, this whole time we, we don't find birds. We don't see buzzards or anything like that flying around. So this, this deer's got to still be alive somewhere hiding in this brush. And like I said, for those people that think, you know, hunting behind a high fence is, is easy is, is, is a drop in the, or, or shooting fish in a barrel. Well, um, I'm going to tell you in this barrel that we, we spent a lot, I mean, hours of each, those two days scouring and walking through the brush and everything else to find this deer. And we didn't see him. So, um, it, it, it takes a lot more in, in my opinion, like I said, to, to hunt these deer, even under a high fence, uh, that last morning, we did have some uh, hope, I guess you would say. We spotted um, a good herd of axes that were moving um, and tried to get on them. We didn't see the, the buck that I shot um, in that group, but it was um, Charlie had seen some other bucks that he'd been running around with in that group. So maybe he was in there, but we just didn't see him. So um, unfortunately, um, at that point in time, I had to come back home. Um, so I had to leave without a deer. Uh, Charlie man is, uh, is a stand up guy for sure. He sent me home with some access meat, um, that he had in his freezer. And, uh, he told me, he said, Hey man, uh, I'm gonna keep looking for this deer. Uh, if we find him dead, you know, I'll give you a shout and, uh, well, we'll get, get his horns and stuff for you. Um, but if not, if I find him alive, you know, I can call you, you can come back down here and shoot him. 
if we can hunt them again. And I said, man, that's, I, I greatly appreciate that. That's, that's more than what you'd have to do for sure. Um, so, uh, we had a plan at that point in time when I was leaving that Charlie was going to look for this deer and the guys that work on the ranch were going to look for this deer. And, uh, if they find him alive, you know, he's going to come back down and hunt him again and, uh, try to get him. Or, um, if they found him dead, you know, you know, they were going to get, this, get the horns and everything for me, um, to have. Um, so it was a long drive back to college station with no deer. Um, I'll tell you that. Um, it was, and, and like I said, appreciate everything Charlie did, but I was, I was pretty upset with myself and at the way I approached it and the things, of course, like I said, you think you could have done better, the things you should have done and all that stuff. But I mean, it all boils down to it's hunting. Um, it's, it's not just, you know, a, like a pastime it's, it's, it's actual life and death and it's, um, things don't always work out the way you want it to work out even though you, you know, you, even when you are, have everything that you need and, you know, you've been practicing and you put in all this work, it's it still may not work out. Um, so like I said, it's, it's the first time this has happened to me. It was a new experience. So, um, it was just something I had to deal with. And then also I'd say too, it was even something that I, I, I know I wanted to talk about like on the podcast. Um, I know I wanted to talk about period just because, this happens all the time and not enough people do talk about it. It's, it's kind of like a bad stigma. Oh, you're a bad shooter. It's a bad, this, you, you didn't do that. And I, I can tell you, even if you are the best and you do this all the time, this is still going to happen. And it's, it's just a reality that we have to deal with. I mean, it sucks, but it is what it is. So, uh, I, 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 and everything I wanted me to be texting Charlie and call him, Hey man, did you see him this morning? Or, Hey man, did you see him this and all that kind of stuff. But I said, you know what? Charlie sees him. He's going to, he said, he's going to call me. So I'm going to trust that he's going to call me. And, uh, I, I came back home and I think it was the day, the day after, um, I had a day here. What was it? No, Monday, another Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I think he called me Fry Friday. I believe I have to go back and look on my phone. But anyway, after it already came back home, uh, Charlie called me and, you know, when I seen his name come up, I'm like, okay, this is either real good or kind of bad. Um, but Charlie, Charlie called me and he said, Hey man, I, I found your deer and, he, and he's still alive. Um, unfortunately from, from what we could see, uh, Charlie got to put, uh, the camera on him and watch him for a little bit. Um, it looked like my shot was real, real low. So it was, um, real low and forward. So my shot had pretty much gone through his front side shoulder, but low enough under his brisket and blown out his offside leg, not completely off, but enough to where he, he was in, in, in bad shape. Um, I mean, I got, I got Charlie sent me pictures of it and everything of him. Um, he was in real pretty bad shape and, uh, I know, at that point, Charlie was kind of asking me, you know, what I wanted to do. And it, it wasn't like I could turn around and head back to Laredo at that point in time to go hunt this deer. And then he, he was already in bad shape and everything. So I just told Charlie, I said, Hey man, um, just, just shoot, shoot that deer. Um, and kind of, you know, put him out of the misery that he's in right now from my shot. And, uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll get the cape and the, the head from him and everything else. So, um, he said, all right, man, that's kind of, that's kind of what I, what I figured I wanted to do too, but I w- wanted to leave it up to you to make that decision. And I said, I appreciate it. And he said, man, I'll, I'll call you back if I can get him, if I can see him again. And about 30 minutes later, uh, I get a picture of, a a pretty big axis deer, uh, laid against a, a mesquite tree, um, after Charlie put a shot on him and, and, and finished him out or finished him off after the shot I put on him. Um, like I said, man, this wasn't, this wasn't how I wanted this hunt to go down, but it's, it's learning experience. I'm going to take it for what it is. I'm going to make sure that, you know, maybe next time I need to take a little bit more time on my shot. Next time I'm, I'm going to put in a little bit more work shooting a rifle. I mean, it is, it's, it's not, uh, easy here since in college station we don't have a shooting range i mean i have to drive to conroe or or something like that or down into houston to shoot i mean even 100 yards um with a rifle so it's not something that's i can just run out in my backyard and do with my bow i can go shoot in the backyard i can go shoot in the front yard and i can practice that all the time but um rifle is something that i just have to make more priority to to work with and uh shoot more just to get more comfortable with it and be able to make better shots. And, you know, when the time comes and I do shoot animal with a rifle, that it works out a little bit better than it did this time. And like I said, even though then it, it might not either, but I'll know that I put in the work to, to make it happen better, you know? So Charlie, uh, after he, he got that deer and sent me pictures of it and everything, I was pretty excited and, um, we did then get to see where the shot was. And like I said, it was, it was low. Um, it went under his brisket. I mean, he, uh, obviously he would have eventually died, but it's not how, not how I wanted that animal to die. But, um, in that long drawn out period, but I mean, it, it happens. Uh, but I am very appreciative of, of how Charlie, you know, handled the situation and worked with me on it. And, um, we finally got this deer, uh, got this deer down and you know he told me man we're gonna we'll skin it for you and everything and we'll have a cape and everything just have to go back down to laredo and pick it up out of the freezer um but you know <laughs> for a first axis hunt it's it's not entirely what i wanted but it it really shows the the strength of these animals um it shows their will to live and um not just how tough these animals really are i mean I, in my opinion, a shot like that, that I made would have easily killed a whitetail, even though it was off. Um, but just these, these bigger bodied animals, they're, they're just a little bit stronger and their, their will to live is a little bit stronger as well. Um, I'll be hunting axis again, hopefully with a bow one day. Um, but definitely again with the rifle. So if you, you've had the opportunity to hunt axis, you understand how cool these animals are. And if you haven't, I, I suggest you you plan on hunting these animals at, at some point in time. I mean, I, I can definitely point you in the direction to hunt with Charlie and them. They got plenty of properties in the Hill Country and West Texas and South Texas to hunt axis. Um, I mean, they're rolling hard right now. He sent me some pictures of some uh, some of the giants they they killed the past couple of days, and I mean, they are they are putting down some some monsters in the Hill Country right now. So, um, like I said, I suggest you try to hunt one of these animals the the meat's delicious the hunt's gonna be fun um they're they're just awesome animals to chase after and i mean 
they're they're pretty high on my list to hopefully do at least you know not every year maybe but at least uh once every couple years to try and go on an axis hunt i know this podcast was a, a little bit different this week um with me just doing it solo by myself but i i hope y'all enjoyed it um i hope y'all can take something from my story and apply it to y'all's hunting season or whenever that is if you're hunting right hunting axis right now or you're hunting whitetails in in the fall or anything just you know uh just try to do the best that you can, I guess, at, at, at getting prepared for these hunts um, and and just show up and understand that even though you do prepare, it's it's not always going to happen the way the way you want it to happen. And I mean, that's OK. You you try to limit it from happening as much as you can. But and like I said, in the end, it, this, this is hunting. It's not it's not shooting a basketball or throwing a baseball or anything like that. It's it's a hobby, but it's it's, it's got a lot more meaning to it. I guess you'd say, um, the mistakes are, they cost a little bit more than what, uh, a regular sport. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Um, please subscribe to the channel. If you like this story, if you want to hear more, you know, shoot me a DM on Instagram or something like that, or comment on the YouTube channel, uh, BarMC media and Taos hunt club, follow us on everything. Join the Facebook group. We appreciate it. Um, and uh, see y'all next week.